welcome to another episode of Airbnb with D. This is your host, Davana, and today we're going to be talking about Zillow's 1% down payment program, which is currently only available in Arizona, but they have hopes to expand their territories. I don't know where, we don't know where yet, but we know that it's coming. So, of course, this type of program came with a lot of scrutiny. I myself came across a video on Instagram that sparked this entire podcast episode. Is this program that Zillow introducing similar to what caused the housing crash, the market crash in 2007 and 2008? In this episode, we'll discuss the similarities, the differences, and maybe see if this is something that could potentially rock our nation again. So stay tuned as I dive right in. Let's dive in. So Zillow's 1% down payment program is a new initiative that aims to make home ownership more accessible and affordable for qualified buyers. So unlike the risky mortgage products that contributed to the housing crash, Zillow's program does not involve subprime loans, adjustable rates, or negative amortization. Instead, it offers a fixed rate conventional loan with the down payment required a low down payment at that, as well as a grant that you will receive from Zillow that covers the most of the closing costs or the rest outside of what you are required to pay. So the program requires borrowers to have a minimum credit score of 620 and a debt to income ratio of no more than 45%. Again, you must be a first time home buyer also for this program. So that sounds kind of like, you know, good, right? That sounds like, hey, no subprime loans, no adjustable rates. This is precisely the reason why we won't crash. However, Zillow's program has major similarities to the pre-crisis housing market. And this is the reason for concern amongst investors, amongst developers, amongst people everywhere. So for one thing, Zillow's program does still rely on securitization of mortgages. So that means that Zillow will sell the loans to investors who then bundle them into securities. This creates a potential moral hazard problem if anyone doesn't see it. And why may you ask? Because Zillow will have less incentive to ensure the quality and performance of the loans. Now, we do have different agencies and um, things that have been enacted since the crash that protects more of our financial investments, more of our, our decisions in the financial market. And we're so happy for that. But Zillow's program may also fuel speculative behavior in the housing market, period. So buyers may also be tempted to purchase homes that are beyond their means or in overheated markets. This ultimately leads to a rise in the housing prices that is not supported by the economy, fundamentals, or any real sound numbers, which creates a risk of a price correction or a house or market crash. So this is the concern. The concern is that if you play baseball from the other side of the field, you're still playing baseball. And that's our concern, right? You pick, you had a set of factors that caused the 07, 08 crash 
And it looks as though Zillow is trying to stay away from those things by going to the other set of things that weren't touched or affected, right? Okay, cool. But the problem is Zillow is one company. So similar to Country Financial and the different companies that were single-handedly blamed for certain crashes and their mechanisms and tactics that they used, Zillow could potentially be the new face of that if this thing isn't handled correctly and with the proper protocol and process. So the thing about, I would say, the drawback about Zillow's mortgage program is that it has risks for the financial system and the housing market. This is not just going to a janky uh, lender and having to deal with their unconventional astronomical rates as one person, as one homeowner, or even as five homeowners out of a pool of 20. This is Zillow actively trying to gain those that are not in this market now and bring them over here. So we're talking about they're attracting new clients with marketing and then also trying to test out and experiment new things on them at the same time. And this is what I will say when it comes to changing or altering the foundation of a thing. We know the history of the United States. We know what we were built on, even the first banks, the first credit, Um, situations and even deals going back, dating far back is 1761. We already know this. But the problem then becomes putting the weight of people's behaviors and looking for basically the governmental systems that we have in place to bail us out, similar to the SVB banking situation, where this is not the exact same thing as the 1% down. And it's also in a different industry as SVB was in tech, Silicon Valley Bank. So this bank was a major financial institution that served the tech industry for 40 years. It collapsed this year in March, making it the largest bank failure since the 2008 crisis, y'all. We are having examples of people making the same mistakes as when our market crashed, right? This is 2023. So if we're knowing that, hey, as of March, we've had the largest bank failure since 2008, how did we get here? Those agencies that were in place to stop this somehow let this happen, right? So when you hear people saying, hey, this program could actually not be so good, believe them, because we don't have the same people working in offices. We don't have people with the same integrity as they had back in the day, y'all. I just said the other day, my my grandfather and his homeboys are no longer the ones making the cars and tuning up the roller coasters and fixing the elevators on these major businesses. And that's why we're having issues. We're having issues because there are increasingly becoming more shortcuts in order for us to not pay attention to detail. And I love me some AI and chat GPT, but let's just start there. You can get a whole paper written that you personally yourself didn't even have to look into. And then you begin to trust it. After a few times of receiving solid work, you begin to trust this new system up until one day there's a glitch and the computer types out typos or for some reason it's computing everything in the wrong language and it can't be fixed until the machine has been reprogrammed. Are you serious? 
So, according to CNN, SVB had invested a large portion of its deposits, meaning its clients' monies and funds, which came mostly from tech startups, venture capital firms. <sighs> Y'all, my heart is just broken. They invested those into long-term treasury bonds and mortgage bonds. These securities lost value as the Federal Reserve raised interest rates to combat inflation. So unlike the situation that was happening in our 07-08 crash, where banks and investors and people were intentionally or sometimes unintentionally going against certain bonds and stocks because they knew the outcome. In this case, the Federal Reserve had to step in and raise rates to combat inflation. On March the 8th, SVB announced that it had sold 21 billion of these securities at a loss of $1.8 billion. Can you afford to lose $1.8 billion? And here's the thing. You know that that $1.8 billion wasn't theirs, right? Because on March the 10th, when the FDIC actually took over SVB and sold its assets and liabilities to Bank of America, although the FDIC guaranteed the protection of up to $250,000 for each depositor, some large companies, those businesses, such as the Founders Fund, lost millions of dollars. So here we are having the conversation on how a game plan, changing the foundation of something could be one of the scariest things that you ever do. Which is why I myself, rather than telling people don't purchase property you don't need to, I say purchase the one that you want. Because America still needs home ownership. Part of our, listen, the debt that we've accumulated, and let's, you know, let's let's go ahead and get more into this, okay? Let's get more into the reason why this would be so important. So we introduced some of the agencies, but more specifically, we're going to talk about the default level in mortgages right now in the United States, which is a big thing. So the current default levels in mortgages in the United States is measured on how many borrowers have missed one or two payments on their home loan. According to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, another agency created in 2010 to provide a single point of accountability for enforcing federal consumer financial laws and protecting consumers in the financial marketplace, as a result of the crisis of 2008 and the Great Recession, when millions of Americans lost their homes to foreclosure. So they were created then. This is only 13 years that we've had this agency fighting on our behalf. Imagine what was going on before that, right? So let's break this down. The default levels in mortgages. The national average of mortgages, 30 to 89 days delinquent. So me and accountant, we're going to call this aging, meaning that we've already known that this was something that was due and it has sitting been able to sit in a due and now transfer to a past due status without anything being done to it. So that more that that percentage of those that were 30 to 89 days past due, so we're talking one to three months, was 3.5% in 
in the first quarter of 2023, which is down from a peak of 8.22% in the second quarter of 2020. But of course, the coronavirus crisis had a severe impact on our economy and the housing markets, even up to people losing their lives, homes being sold by the banks. Guys, we know we know it, we lived it, it was a mess. Thank God we have made it through. But the delinquency rate varies by a couple of things. So I do wanna go over that. The coronavirus was something big enough to affect rates because our nation was changed. We lost lives, things had to change. There were bills not being paid. There are still rents that are not being paid. So now that we have kind of stabilized ourselves, we're not all the way there, but now that we've stabilized, the delinquency rate varies state to state now. That's what we're seeing. So as of right now, Mississippi has the highest rate the highest delinquency rate of 3%, while Washington, Wisconsin, and Oregon have the lowest rates of 0.6% of December 2022. And this is what I'll tell you about those Southern states. And I don't know if you realize it more than Northerner place or North places, East, West Coast. The deeper South you go, the further those properties are in the deed. The deeper south you go oftentimes, the longer those properties were there, the likelihood that it belonged to someone's grandmother, someone's great-grandmother, and was passed down. We see that in different regions of the United States, but we really primarily see it in the south where there were families and bloodlines still in the South when slavery was abolished, lands were given out, lands were divided. This is a true cultural thing for everyone here. So during that time, similar to how, you know, during our time with coronavirus, they had the PPP, they was handing out money, passing out money. You could have got your property then, right? That's what they, that, that's what our, you know, ancestors, who, whomever that may be for you, whatever generation that may be for you in which a person had acquired property or land, you can best believe that a fa- somewhere in your family, they had it. It was a rite of passage back then. So the fact that these levels can change state to state, and I see the highest in Southern states, it's letting me know that the properties that people's great, great, great grandmothers left them, they can't afford to keep them up or they're not keeping them up. If they haven't sold them already, they're defaulting on it. Or maybe they're selling it quicker to developers and other businesses in the area that are only looking to increase the price. Who knows? But that's a scary sight for me because it shows me that there are people that their ancestors considered them and knew that ownership meant that someone couldn't take it away, but that that term has drastically changed over the years. We know that mortgage, we've heard it, is a French term for a death contract, basically. Again, implying that this type of loan is either only paid off when a person dies or and, and the property is sold, or if they're alive and they sell it. But either way, one of those things has to happen because we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars to millions of dollars for property. So imagine having that passed down, having to go through the influx of interest rates and property tax changes and not understanding at all or being financially literate. How can you keep that up? 
Okay, so Zillow's program is designed to help more people achieve their own home ownership dreams, especially in a tight housing market. However, we're concerned that the program could increase the risk of mortgage defaults, which is already at a high level due to the pandemic and economic downturn. Again, mortgage defaults occur when the borrowers fail to make their monthly payments and face foreclosure. So we already went over those le- those levels there. And depending on where you are, things could change for you, right? One of the reasons why the problem could be where the program increases the default rate, in my opinion, is because it lowers the equity that the buyers have in their home. It's really not even an opinion. It's a variable. Equity is the difference between the value of the home and the amount owed on your mortgage. The lower your equity, the more likely the borrower is to walk away from the loan if they encounter financial difficulties or if the home value drops, period. You lose your job, or you go through a market crash and then suddenly you're making a a $3,000 payment on a home that, you know, those Zestimates are hilarious. Those are never really true. But hey, since we're talking about Zillow, that the Zestimate tell you should only be $1,000 a month for the mortgage, you're absolutely going to start to have some problems. And knowing that you can't refinance that, pull out the equity the way that you want to when you're in a downturn, it leaves people some option other than no option. But to leave, I have seen people in my family go through a foreclosure, be intimidated by the banks and literally move to the hood in a one, two bedroom apartment filled with roaches and rats because now their credit is shot and they're having to file bankruptcy to even get the bank off of their back. So now they filed bankruptcy, got the bank off their back, and can't even get a place to stay because who wants to lend to you after you file bankruptcy or have an eviction? And by the way, this is why we do our corporate leasing and put it under our business because we already know there is no credit check required for your personal when we are putting things under our business. So this that's a workaround. But we have those options um, or those circumstances that happen to us. So another thing it's important to think about is that the program could also increase the default rate that it relies on due to a complex arrangement of loans and grants that may not be sustainable or transparent initially. And I think the thing that scared me the most is that these grants that they're giving is going to be coming from Zillow Home Loans. Like it's their actual program. It's not like a crowdfund situation or that Zillow has raised so much capital or received monies from the United States that they are looking to reinvest into people. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> so if the pro- if the program works by providing buyers, then this is just for an, ex- an example, right? So if, if the program works by providing buyers with a second loan, for 9% of the purchase price, which is then forgiven after three years if the buyer meets certain conditions, then you would expect that type of thing to be universal, such as like with the FHA loan, a VA loan, USDA loan. We know our options right with that, right? Those are pretty much set in stone. But with the Zillow program, they're saying, oh no, the second loan can be funded by a nonprofit organization that 
Zillow receives grants from, but then someone else could say that creates conflicts of interest. You could hide legal fees. There will be legal complications that could even jeopardize the buyer's ability to repay their loan. And God forbid if even one of these companies go bankrupt or get acquired or merged during a time, who are you making your payments to then? So based off these points, it's possible that the new 1% down payment program from Zillow could actually increase the mortgage default rate in the future. But it is also important to consider other factors affect a default rate, such as interest rates, income levels, credit scores, housing supply, and demand. So ultimately, the impact of the program will depend on how well it is implemented in Arizona. Remember, because that's its first state, its implementation state. And then regulate it there and then see how well it serves the need and preferences of both buyers and sellers everywhere. Now, this is what we I will say. Arizona is an amazing area to invest in. This area continues to thrive. This state continues to thrive and build and have new developments. And I believe that's why we're also seeing an introduction of this program here first, because there is a extra surplus of properties. Arizona is an amazing state that short-term rental investors love to go to to get properties built from the ground up or get the new property. But the thing is, once they create so many in a space, that's it. Now they're trying to offload them in the mass amount, which is why Zillow has this program now. Even though Zillow is a popular platform, it started off as a customer client relationship management software that connected home buyers and sellers. But recently, Zillow has announced that their programs that they are launching will start to give people more of a sense of achieving their home ownership dreams in a tight housing market. Y'all, changing the foundation of a thing is just never the first answer. It's the demolition, the demolition answer. When you're ever asking, how can you go in and make something completely new? Yeah, tear it down. But you can't tear down what our nation has been built upon, which unfortunately is mortgages in a, in a sense where the real estate is actually traded for assets. I thank you so much for listening to this quick episode on the program. There will be more information to come as I, you know, kind of dive into it a little bit more and maybe even get some opinions from those that have sought out the program or maybe even have been approached from any loan officers or officers working on behalf of Zillow to get their people in. I'm also going to do another deep dive on other factors that lead to, uh, you know, a, a rise in the mortgage default rate. Because if you are someone that is considering purchasing property within the next six to nine months, not only do I want you to look and see if it is the best time for you to invest, I want you to also see if you should be doing this under your own personal name or your business. Which will be the path of least resistance to you? I, I stop saying what will be easier, what's easier. Because I've learned now that what's easy is not always the best. 
But there is a path that may be better for you than others. And there's also a path that could make your life a little bit harder. And I want you to follow that path of least resistance so that you have the stamina to go wherever else that it takes you. If you have not already followed the Airbnb with the Instagram page, please go on there and follow me now so that you can be up to date with all of my latest postings, publications, and any hacks, tips, and gems that I want you know to succeed quickly. Thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you in the next episode.